Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Rob Enough. Tonight, we have managed to catch a bit of lightning in the bottle, so to speak. We were fortunate to catch up with prospective Kings of War player Duncan Walden, who found Kings of War through the NashCon website. We were able to record with Duncan before his first demo game, and he shares his experience of searching for information into Kings of War through various websites and Facebook groups. We were then able to record with Duncan just after he completed his very first demo of Kings of War. This is a unique opportunity to see Kings of War through the eyes of someone just at the beginning of their journey, and I think there's something we can all take away from it. All right, we're back. We are in the middle of round four, and I am with... Duncan Walden. Duncan, it's like Kismet or something. It's like some, what a weird coincidence. You don't live very far from Memphis. You're kind of in between Memphis and Nashville. You're on Fanatics. You're, you're, I've been doing the you, research. Yeah, you're, you're into, so let, let's start with who you are and kind of your gaming origin story. Tell me how you found Kings of War. How did you get here? All right, uh, so I originally I have like tons of gaming experience with like magic and stuff, but I've always been more of a, I guess, a hobbyist. I like putting stuff together as a kid, so... Uh, I got introduced to, you know, the, the typical games, Warhammer and stuff like that, and turns out I was really good at painting the minis, went into uh, doing commission painting for about two or three years. And Did you like that? I, I loved it right up until I had to paint an entire army, and it was enough to make me stop painting for a little for bit. For me, it, it always felt like, but I wondered if, like, if, I, if that became my job, yeah. I would start to hate it, and also... When I'm painting something for myself, I'm not worried about the economics of it, that it makes financial sense. I'm willing to go ahead and put 20 hours into this thing because it's for me and it's, I'm proud of it. But if you know you have to make a living off of it... Uh, I was in college when I was doing it. Uh, it was definitely a huge source of my income for a while. Uh, and I loved it. I, I always loved it. But it becomes, like you said, it's a job at that point. And so there was very little time for what I wanted to do. And... Right. Because you're focusing on making money, you know, it becomes one of those things where every time you do it, you're just like, ugh, work. <laughs> and, uh, but happily, I was able to kind of get away from that and start focusing more on what I wanted to do. And you take a lot more pride in just being able to, to sit down and focus on just like kit bashing, painting, making it your own, and that's right. the best part. Right. Talk to us how you got into tabletop games. So like I said, I kind of got introduced to Warhammer, and um, was, uh, this, was this fantasy, or was this 40k, or? A, a little both actually. Okay. Uh, 40k was the main game played, yeah. but I've always liked fantasy stuff a lot more than sci-fi. Right. And so I eventually got into like Age of Sigmar. First army was Stormcast Eternals, and right. I mean, they're just easy to get a hold of. Well, and I imagine because they're like a staple of the, the system, they're the there's a lot Marines, of people, yeah. and then people like buy them and maybe go, well, this isn't really for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like it's, it's Space Marines. Yeah, they're the, I, we always joked in my group, they're the Sig Marines. They're just ground Marines that came into fantasy. And uh, I mean, that, that was like a huge thing to me, like just being able to paint them. I did a lot of research. I, the lore of a character matters just as much to me as how good they are on the tabletop. So 
yeah, I would take armies that weren't necessarily the best, but I had fun playing them because I'm like, oh, these are the anvils of the Heldenhammer. They are super strong. Right. And, you know, they were originally from the realm of death. Right. And I was like, their story is just so cool. And so, you know, that was one of the, the biggest things in hobbying for me was like, I loved the story that you right. could create just by painting and posing a character. And uh, actually, that's one of the reasons like Kings of War stuck out to me as a game so much. So where did so obviously you were playing Warhammer? Yeah. 40k, that stuff. Where how did Kings of War even get on the radar? Because I mean, for me, it seems difficult because it's not something that it's not pervasive. It's not like a lot of stores carry it. So where did you? How did you even hear of Kings of War? So for about a year, I took a break from war games. I was you know focusing more on like work and school and things like that and. I needed the money, so I sold off all my armies. Well, last couple, or actually about the last couple of months, I was like, man, I really miss playing with my buddies and modeling and painting. And uh, so I was looking at Nashcon, actually, and uh, my brother was like, yeah, you should come with me. Because he's playing in the Age of Sigmar tournament. He is. He's getting his butt kicked. <laughs> well, I, Age of Sigmar, is a, is a, it's a tough game. I mean, you, you it, got, and you've can. got some really strong players here. Oh, you do. Some of the best in the, around this area from what I've seen. And... Um, and it's like any war game. You're always going to find that matchup just smashes your army. Well, especially, I know I find, like, sometimes I, I get a big head, and I'm like, I, and really what it is is I am a, I mean, I feel better than I really, I, I feel like I'm better than I really am. And it's sort of like, <laughs> well, I, I'm just maybe sometimes a, a, a big fish in a small pond, and oh, then yeah. when you go into the bigger pond, you're like, bam, and it's, reality comes crashing down, and they teach you that, oh, you're not as good as, I, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Oh, yeah, and that that's, I mean, in some ways I think that's great, though, because it gives you that opportunity as a player to open up and learn things. Right. Um, but actually, like I said, the um, I got online, was looking at Nashcon's information, I saw Kings of War, I'm like, man, I've never heard of that, what's that? Right. And, so uh, you actually heard about Kings of War. Because of Nashcon, Because yeah. of Nashcon, it's interesting. Because the history is, I ran the... I ran Kings of War at NashCon in 2016. We had 45 players. We were set to grow, and it just didn't work out that we could get more space. So Todd Perkins, who runs NashCon, uh, spun it off. And, we, and for the next two years, 2017 and 18, we ran it as a side event. But what we are losing when you're not part of NashCon or a convention is you already have the faithful. The faithful are already there. They're already playing. Oh, yeah. You're not getting anybody new because they're not. there's no Age of Sigmar players. There's no historical players walking by and going, wow, this looks interesting. This year we were fortunate enough to give been given space. Prime location right in the middle of the vendor hall. But that's awesome that you actually saw Kings of War on the NashCon page. That, that, that's, like, that's why it was the smart move to bring TNT in the NashCon. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, like, I started, like, just, I was like, what's King's War? Did the research. I'm like, oh, the rules are free. Of course I got to Absolutely. Read these. And then, you know, I love certain fantasy tropes. Uh, my big one, though, is, like, in the Lord of the Rings, the battle of, I believe it's... Helm's Ise- Deep? Uh, Isengard. I- Isengard, yeah. Where the tree people were the just... Whole, the whole surrounding oh, coming yeah. and pounding on them, yeah. And then I was like, man, I just want to make an army where every battle is my tree people just going at it. Yep, and, and you I, can do that. And that was, like, the coolest thing, yeah. Like, you can do it. You can do whatever you want in this game. And that was that was the one thing that really caught me, though. Like, the gameplay is solid. It seems like it's simplistic, but it's also really in-depth. I can't say any better. It's, um... One of those games, it takes a minute to learn, but a lifetime to master. You sure you haven't been playing Kings of War for a while? Because you sound like an expert at it. <laughs> no, <obviously>. no. <laughs> General gaming info, but it's like I love that 
the aspect of creation on your characters. Like, I've seen so many armies here today, and as a hobbyist, as someone who did commission painting for a living, as someone who has a deep appreciation for, like, the creative aspects of what go into a game, seeing so many players just going nuts with what their armies can look like. You know, the Forces of Nature player who's got an entire army of dinosaurs. That's amazing. Uh, was that Dylan over here? I believe it was. Yeah, Dylan, yeah. But I, I love that, and I was like, man, I want to make my own army. I want to use all these different minis, and that's mm-hmm. that's something I... As much as I like GW's minis, I don't like that you can't use anything but them in Warhammer. I'm sure there's some armies in there oh, yeah. that aren't GW, but their scale's a little different, right? They've kind yeah. of grew Age of Sigmar models a little bit bigger, and I think people end up... It's a different mindset, because Mantic says, play with the minis you want. Exactly. They know that if you like the game, down the road, you will buy stuff from them. Rule books you'll probably buy minis from them at some point. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that that's super cool to me that it's that, that openness of create your army how you feel like you want to create it. So, you know, I've seen armies with minis from all over the place, and they, you know, even though they're from all these different companies, all these different creators, they all have that cohesiveness because people are putting the time in to, like, make them look. Bases, like they, dioramas. Oh, yeah. And display that, boards. That, that's what's killing me, too, is the... The dioramas, the display boards, the fact that like the armies are on these beautiful sittings. There's one that's a mountain with dwarves in it. Yeah, so that's Billy Smith's creamsicle dwarves. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like they're awesome. They're, they're really, amazing. really good. And there's like a level of creativeness in that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been. Yeah. My main thing is like I've been asking people, where did you get this? How did you make this? What paints did you use? What, what, uh, what did you use to make this base, this mountain, and. That, that's just mind-blowing, some of the right. answers I've gotten. Everything from, oh, that's just Mod Podge. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right. People are very creative if they feel like they're allowed to be creative, if that makes sense. Exactly. I, you know. And it's just so cool to see, like, all these figures fighting each other and all the strategies that come from these, these rules that are so well-developed. And I, I think that's, like, what appealed to me the most. Plus, it, it feels very different to... Uh, you know, my wargaming experience with, like, Age of Sigmar, Warcry, all these different minis games. It's and mostly round bases. Did you ever play Warhammer Fantasy when it was on square bases? I have okay. not. So it's been all uh, skirmish style, right? Yeah, I mean, I know it's not really skirmish because at this point, I think, Age of Sigmar, you're putting uh, the circle bases yeah. on a movement tray of some sort, right? Uh, but they're not ranks and flanks. They're not ranks and flanks. I, I know, like, uh, the circle base, it's weird. You're supposed to keep them in cohesion, but you can, like, morph them okay. how you're playing. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. Um, but I like how different this game is. Uh, and, you know, it, and how, like, unique it is, to me at least. I, well, I mean, that's <laughs> why you're on the show to tell us why. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. it's interesting to hear their perspective of a newer, a newer Kings of War player. We're always trying to find ways to get more people to come play the game. And if we're doing something right, we want to keep doing that. And if there's things we can improve, we want to make those changes. Of course. And, uh, I mean, that, and that's kind of the cool thing. You know, I, like you said, it's not, like, necessarily, like, pervasive. It's not like there's, like, apps and books and movies and all this stuff. But they, it's still one of those things that when I found it, I was like, oh, man, I got to do this. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I still miss about the old world from Warhammer Fantasy you know, they had a really long 30-year oh, yeah. worth of written word and background story. And, you know, Kings of War, we've, I've only been playing since 2010. So we're nine years in. And, you know, they've still got a long ways to go to build up 
but we're coming down to third edition and we're about to see a whole I have been told we're, we're about to see a lot more fluff and a lot more background like I said I'm a huge fluff guy the motivations of an army are just as important to me as the army itself absolutely and uh, I think it's kind of neat that you know it's, I think the main continent they said they've been on is Mantica right and uh what I read is that, oh, well, Mantica is just a small portion right. of the world, and it's uh, Panathor now. Yeah, the, so it's the world. The world's called Panathor, and they're, because, you know, people gave him a lot of shtick about, well, you called it Mantica. That's, <laughs> and, and, and part of that, I think, is the English. They're very tongue-in-cheek. Oh, I yeah. mean, they have a goblin called a bigot, which, <laughs> depending on the culture you're in, may or may not. Um, and then there's a new unit coming out called the Klansmen. Oh, okay, so, gosh. you know, I, it's, you know cultural sensitivity notwithstanding, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but they're English. Well, it, it, to be fair, you know, the, some of the Warhammer lore gets a little we- weird and crazy, too. But I, I like that, though, because they're very, like, they're trying to expand this world, and that gives the idea that, you know, well, we've only been on Manska all this time. What happens when Panathor opens Well, so up? that's the exciting thing, right? <clears throat> they have said there's four more armies in the Armies of Panathor book, which is coming in December. What are those armies? Oh yeah. Um, we, we we can guess. Is it is it the the army of Ophidia? I mean, there's 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 stuff they've hinted at, but we don't know. I mean, is it gonna be like a Chinese styled army that's fantasy theme with with like emperor dragons and stuff? I mean, oh, the sky's the awesome. limit, right? Because yeah. it was Mantica, and now it's the world of Panathor, and the map is bigger. There's more space. There's it's not just this little realm anymore. Yeah, I, and the sky's the limit. Oh yeah, I mean. I, obviously, I'm not as well versed in this lore specifically yet, but I know like it would be cool if they were like I don't know a faction of giants or really that or, sounds that sounds pretty interesting. Like you know hyper elite characters that just come in, swing in, or even like let's say the elementals from all the other factions made their own little like super faction of air, fire, stone elementals. Exactly, like no no living creatures outside of that are. I mean, the Northern Alliance, they have, like, a really unique vibe to them. They do. And I, I love that about them because you've got ice elementals fighting next to giant mammoth creatures. And that's With naiads and dwarves. It's almost like a, uh, a civilization built on we'll take anybody. Exactly. It's like anybody that wants to come and join us, they're welcome. And so you have all these different races cohabitating in a joint effort to... Well, I don't really know what the point is yet. You know, they okay. haven't really, they haven't really expanded it yet. But we'll we'll find out more about the Northern Alliance. That's kind of the, one of the new armies coming out, and they got a lot of new models. Oh yeah, I would love to see like um, I don't know. I'd love to see something undead, like something weird undead. So they have undead right now. There's another army called the uh, the Ophidians, and the Ophidians are they're in a necromancy, but in a positive way. <laughs> Uh, oh, they use they use it as like servants if that makes sense. They're not yeah. they're 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 not evil undead. They're good undead, and, I, <laughs> and it's maybe a little bit of a counterintuitive. But and that's one of the armies that's been rumored about. Like, what does that look like? We've had hints. We had a special character that someone that went went to Aphidia to kind of look for the lost lands, and if you took him, he changed the alignment of the army to good. And so oh, you and that because you know obviously we have allies in this game. Yeah, so, so like evil, good, neutral. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You've been, and let's talk a little about that. You obviously jumped in head over heels because I met you today, and I've noticed you've already been on Fanatics for uh, a month at this oh, yeah. point. Uh, I mean, I just as soon as I found out about it, I was like, "This is perfect!" Like it really resonated with me. Like I said, I'm a creative person by nature, and the idea that you can make whatever you want just 
mind blown. You make it first, you figure out what it is later. Exactly. Right? And like the idea that like, you know, in other games, most of the time they're like, well, you want this to look a very yeah. specific way. I mean, way. the one I go to is Warma Hordes. Yes. It's very similar, like, this is the model, we don't convert it, It's this is this is, this is is that character. Oh, yeah. And this is what it should look like. And, you know, uh, from a from a rules cleanliness standpoint or playability, it does make sense that, you know, okay, it makes it easier for the person to know. But you lose something in that... Yeah. That you well you can't convert it. It's it's it, you've got there, I don't know. There's a loss of level of creativity. There is, and I mean like I uh, I actually played a little bit of Warm Hordes. I was a Signar player for a little while. Um, fortunately, not as many people to play around here, so went the way of the dinosaurs. But that was like I liked the rules clarity, but like you said, you lose something. Like my army was blue Signar, and that was it. Right. Well, it's funny you say that. We have several people here that were Warm Hordes players. That like that like the cleanliness of the rules, but wanted I think just a little bit more. They wanted to they wanted to be allowed to be a little bit more creative. Oh yeah. And and put their own spin on things. Still clean rules and, and making a list and all that, but they just wanted something else. And so they they've come over and joined Kings of War. And honestly, I think they enjoy it a lot. Oh yeah, and that that's that's my thing. Like everyone I've talked to today has been so friendly. They are willing to share information. I've walked up during games just observing you know people will be like hey you have any questions you want me to, you know what do you want to know and like while they're playing a game by while the they're playing a right? game yeah so like some people I mean I'm sure there's people here that would be like hey I'm playing a game but most I mean everybody here that I know they're pretty open oh yeah and I mean that's like a big deal to me is like there's certain competitive scenes that get really cutthroat and this one this one is just very so let me ask you this why do you think those other scenes are cutthroat is it something that the game is doing, or is it something about the, the way the tournament is structured or prize support? Is there what, what's what's triggering that uh, aggressive? Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think it's just the way some some rules are structured. Like in some games, half an inch means everything, and it, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean that in War or Kings of War, but it also. You'll, you'll have people who are micromanaging, you know, 50 units, like individual characters, and if they're half an inch out of range or they misroll a dice, that's like immediate grounds for like judge, you right, know, right. or something. Kings of War is a game of intention. So, yes, the measurements do matter, angles matter, but it is our responsibility as a community that when we're playing a game and our intention is to be 18 and a half inches away from this unit so that we are in agreement that you can't charge me. There's a it's it's there's this this player circle this this uh, social contract that we enter into that we're gonna play like you know yeah. good sports and that's what we do here even though the the measurements matter we are all on the same page and maybe I've answered my own question but oh yeah and it's uh and that like I said that means a lot as well because close knit communities that's what keeps the game alive if you have people who aren't passionate about their game it's gonna fall apart I've seen it happen. A lot around my communities in my local area because, you know, someone might like this card game or that minis game or board game or whatnot. Right. But as soon as your players just don't care anymore, who are you going to play? And everyone here seems like they just love everything about it. Well, and I think, too, uh, you're triggering some stuff in my head. Like, <laughs> uh, the way Kings of War is marketed, um, we don't have army books. You know, you have a rule book, and then the last three years we've had a Kings of War or Clash of Kings update so you buy this Clash of Kings book it's $20 
It has updates to the rules. It has different scenarios, and then it has tweaks to all the armies. And they're and they're not big tweaks. They're little tweaks. But you're not chasing the new because there is no new. All of our armies in second edition came out in 2015. They're the same armies. Now, they've tweaked them three years in a row, you know, 16, 17, 18, and 19, mostly the same army. Yeah. And so we're, we're about to get a third edition. And so, like, does that make sense? I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure. No. Maybe it's sort of like Warm Hordes, because Warm Hordes has that, right, where they come out with a book and it gives you new units for everything. Well, well yeah, to an extent. I think, uh, I think that's actually something that, other than, like, just the creativity that really appealed to me, uh, the game structure feels very, like, like I said, clean and also... I love the fact that when I was looking over tournament reports, when I was really starting to dig deep into my research about the game, the one thing I kept noticing is there's all these tournaments and no top five was the same. It's not like there was always a clear-cut winner. It's always it matters who you are or who you're playing. It matters how you play the game. The scenario, all kinds of things. Yeah, and I lo- like that's that's my number one thing when it comes to any game. It's I- hard to pick a met. What's the best? I don't know. Yeah, I like whenever I'm playing a game, the like determining factor if I will enjoy the game a lot, or it'll just be something I you know casually do or drop, is did I win the game or did my army win the game? I always call those the list, but that's sort of the same thing, yeah. right? Whether it's the army or the list, did the win? And I I don't think we're a list building game really. You can build a a good list, you can build a bad list. But a really good player will win with whatever. Whatever you give them. If they're a good player and they know how to play the game, they'll win the game. Yeah, and that's something else that I really loved. Like, I was, you know, we were going through, you were showing me all the armies, and it's like, this is Abyssal Dwarves, and this is Abyssal Dwarves, and they weren't the same. Like, there was, there were elite Abyssal Dwarves. They were horrid. They were shooting. There were all these different strategies. The one thing I kept noticing is, like, they're all different, and they're all taking this to a tournament, and they're all, you know, seems like... They're all having fun and doing what they want to do with their army, while also being able to just play. Well, the I game. think I don't. I think the rules get out of the way, and they don't make you feel beholden to the rules. So, in other words, if you want to play a gun line, play a gun line. That's fine. They're not always going to work, but that's your prerogative. It's your game. Play with the way you want to play. To your point, list themselves or the armies the forces we call them have a lot of internal balance and I think there's lots of viable strategies you know whether it's the the undead list or a shambling horde undead list you know and so there's different options for different armies and honestly if you if you know how to play your army it doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks if you know how to play your army then you're going to do good with it I mean it's you know it's like anything else if you know the tool it's going to work Oh yeah, and that's that's what I love too. There's a uh, yes, you have a set number of characters you can use, but there's diversity within that to a level where if I want to play, it seems like if I want to play just all big, brutal, bad guys just beating down people, I can do that. Or if I want to, like you said, a million little zombies going crazy, that's also it's an all option. viable. Yeah, and that's so cool. To yeah, make. and it, it gets back to its scenario, its matchups, its whatever. Yeah. Terrain's a big thing in our game. Oh, yeah. You know, we have, you know, different... Terrain can affect the performance of a combat army, a shooting army, and slowing things down. So, yeah. It's, just uh, like in Real War. You know? Just like in Real War. Yeah, and I, I love the uh, the other thing that's, I guess, really stuck out to me that's super cool is uh, I loved the the historical stuff, too. Like, the fact that 
yeah, I've got Night Stalkers, you know, the nightmare creatures. I'm going to fight them with Spartans yeah. or Vikings or, or something. Or Romans like that. or whatever, yeah. And it's like, oh, and, you know, I, I don't want it to be just, you know, normal Vikings, so I'm going to ally in, I don't know, a they, storm yeah, they, giant. Yeah, they, they, exactly. <laughs> they have, like, a, a section called Mythical Allies where they can... Because, honestly, I think... At face value, I think the historical armies may be a little undergunned in some cases. There are there are exceptions to that rule, but it's just a way to even the gap a little bit. But really, what I found is the people that play historical armies, they're not there to win and lose. They don't really care about that. They want to play historical army. Yeah. I mean, and what, what would a Roman army look like when they're fighting dwarves, right? That's okay. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. That, that, Let's that find sounds out. awesome, too. And that's like, that's flavor to me is just the idea of, Oh, you can play anything. Like Absolutely. it's got something for historical players. It's got something for fantasy. There's factions for you know certain fa- uh, fantasy battles, armies that have been yeah. So like Warhammer armies. Yeah, mm-hmm. like empires are, or the Tomb Kings are played into this. The you know Bretonians can be played, uh-huh. and those are armies that haven't gotten support yet in AOS really. Right. And what's interesting, I think, is that when they did second edition they dropped the book called Uncharted Empires which was all the Warhammer armies yeah. they're doing the same thing now you have the rule book and then you have armies of Panathor which will be the non-mantic armies but <laughs> some of the Warhammer armies have been converted and now they're mantic armies so Empires of Dust which is Tomb Kings they took Tomb Kings gave it a list and it's their own it's not Tomb Kings it's their own spin they've got different units they've got bone dragons and stuff that they didn't have in Tomb Kings. I, and that's, so that's yeah. just awesome, but you could still play your Tomb King models. They're available. Uh, um, I think that's kind of the exciting thing, too. I love Tomb Kings, like the lore and stuff behind them, the the fact that they, you know, a little bit like the Ophidians, they're not necessarily evil necromancers, but I love the fact that, oh yeah, you can play your Tomb Kings, and now, like you said, you can play like Bone Dragons with them, make it even more crazy and out there. Exactly. And because Bone Dragon wasn't like and I'm just using that for the example, but because Bone Dragon wasn't part of the original line, you have this freedom to create what is a Bone Dragon as part of these Egyptian-themed zombies look like. It's your army. Exactly. It's your army. It's your story. I mean, whatever you want. I mean, all, all we want you to do is create the story. Don't just pick something and just yeah. say this. You know, take the time. Take the time and come up with a background story, a little fluff. Tell us what your army's about. Put the effort into the modeling so that, you know, and I should say, it doesn't have to be good, like from an, from a, I'm, a, I'm an effort guy, so if you put in the effort, oh, yeah. even if the execution may not be where you want it to be, it doesn't matter, you put in the effort to try to tell a story visually with that army. Yeah, and that's, that's like I said, that's such an important thing for me. There's so many armies here that have so much, like, care put into them, and it, it's like, they don't. You know, the person could say nothing about what their army is representing or what they're doing with it, and I could tell. Okay, this army is clearly, clearly has a story because of the theme, the characters, the way it's built, things like that. Well, I mean, just just a face value. You could have elf army that looks like it's from the desert. You could have an elf army that looks like a jungle army. You could have a drow elf army. And there's all kinds of options, yeah. and, and it's fun. I mean, I saw uh, two undead armies that I really liked. That one is. They're, they both have, like, a, a World of Warcraft inspiration, but one is, like, Ice Undead, where it's based on the Lich King, and I love that. And then you turn around, and his buddy is playing an undead army based on, like, toxic stuff, like... Um, I think it's well, like Nurgle, right? Yeah. yeah. And and so they just... They have the same technical... They have, you know, the same characters, but they're so vastly different in design that they each carry their own flavor They're both battle. unique. Yeah. Point, yeah. 
So where do we go from here? What's the next step for you? I mean, you, how did you stumble on Fanatics? As soon as I started reading rules and information about uh, Kings of War, I was like, I've got to start asking questions. I've got so much info I don't Did you know. get answers to your questions? Some. And yeah. others, I've gotten a lot of answers here. Just Well, I, I think Fanatics is an interesting uh, Facebook page because, like I mentioned, it's so big. Sometimes new, new, new players get frustrated because they ask a question, and maybe it's the same question that's been asked. Facebook's not the best way to communicate. You know, it, like we're a forum. We also have a forum that's also yeah. great. But what questions do you still have that did not get answered yet? I think uh, a lot of questions I had actually got answered today was just talking face-to-face to people. Um, like, I was wondering, okay, well, where do I tell where the base sizes are? Right. Because, you know, I may want to play this dragon from one army, but where, where do I tell that? So that that's in the rule book. Yeah. And the nice thing is the dragon is the dragon. So the dragon, <laughs> so there's 50-millimeter dragons, and then they have things called titans, which are on 75 by 75. But if you base it on one of those... It will be playable in some form in the armies that have dragons. Okay, cool. To answer your question, there's a chart in the book that says these are the base sizes for infantry, right. large infantry, cavalry, uh, and, that, and, that, and that sort of thing. All Chariots, right. whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other good questions because, I mean, like I said, brand new to the game is just a million things flowing through my head. Well, we need to get you a game. That's the thing, right? You haven't played yet. I haven't even gotten the chance yet, but I'm so excited to be able to do that. Yeah, well, we're going to play as soon as we're done. As soon as Ian's done with my, I have, it's my older army. Oh, wow. As soon as he's done, we'll, 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 we'll get, we'll find another army and we'll play, walk you through a game. That's awesome. I'm excited. Because it's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fast. Oh. We like too. It's a fast game. I, I guess I have another question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is because I have a certain mini in mind, uh, but I'm kind of wondering, like, as far as like characters, let's say I have a character on a base size, but the character's slightly bigger and it overhangs just a little bit. Is that still considered a legal character? Or? It's legal. Let me back up. It's second edition right now. It, you know, <laughs> it could change in third, but as of it right could. now, if you have a character and Austin Kerrigan, who's Undead Army, you uh, were admiring, is a very he uses this rule a lot. It's called <laughs> exceptional base size. It basically means it's designed to be on a fifty. The model won't fit. Make it bigger. In most cases. Making the base bigger only hurts you from a rule set perspective. Because, you know, uh, you're still only going to get the same amount of attacks, but now you have a bigger frontage. And so normally, there's some rare exceptions to that, but most of the time, having a bigger base is, is not, a, not, a, not a positive thing for you. It can be a positive thing from the hobby perspective, yeah. but from the rule. So does that make sense? So, so we're fine with it. So, so it's totally seems- fine. It's just you might have to sacrifice something yeah. in the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example, though. Like if you had a dragon and it didn't fit on a 50, but it fit on a 75. Well, in that case, what I would recommend is take the bigger dragon. They have a dragon on a 75. You know, if, you know th- then you're like, it's like an upgraded bigger dragon and it makes sense. But if you really wanted the baby dragon, the, reg- yeah. the regular dragon, then put it on a 75. That's fine. Yeah. No one's going to cry about it. And I like that idea because, you know, like I said, creative freedom. Yes. Um, actually, I, I guess this is a, this is a question. And that, and that rule really applies to monsters or where that really would come in. Okay. Right? Because, like, infantry and stuff, they'll fit on any base you put. You know, they'll fit in the base. You just put less of them on or more of them on. Okay. But, like, monsters are where we sometimes see things overhanging. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so, I guess another ruling question uh, springboarding off of it and it might be a fairly obvious one but like let's say I engineered it to where the you know smaller base size 
can fit into like a slotted bigger yep. base. People do that now. So I can just so like if you had exactly. Yep. So you could, like, for example, there's people that take uh, individual models and base them individually on 20 millimeter squares. Okay. And then just, like, there's, someone, there's some folks that have an old Warhammer army, and they're already based individually. They just had a MDF base cut with holes, and you just oh. drop them in. People that have Stormcast armies, for example, round bases, you have the, the 120 by 80 inch uh, millimeter base for a large infantry, and you just drop in the models that you need. Well, dang, that's awesome. Right. Uh, so this is actually a rules question. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, are there, like, theme forces? Like in, I guess, Age of Sigmar being my basis. Yeah, so th the short answer is not in the same regard yet. I'm not, I think this is that probably something coming in third. Right now there are formations. Okay. So, for example, um, you decide you're going to play uh, ogres, and they have what's called the Hell on Wheels Formation which you take specific units in the list, like in, in Hell on Wheels, you're taking uh, two regiments of uh, chariots and a warlord on a chariot, and because you've taken those thematic units, you now get additional perks. That's above and beyond what you would pay for those models if you didn't take the formation. Like the formation cost is 25 points, and what you're getting is usually more than worth the 25 points, if that makes sense. But you have to take those specific units to fulfill the, the formation requirement. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, that actually is exactly what I was thinking. And every about. army right now has three formations. Um, I think in third edition, they'll probably remove formations for a minute because originally what we did, did, what they wanted to do with formations is there were certain units in the game that maybe people weren't playing enough with yeah. and they wanted to incentivize people to pay, take units that were underrepresented. And one way they did that was, hey, if you take these underrepresented units in this formation, we're going to give you this perk, oh, that's whether cool. it's an extra special rule or, you know. All right. Uh, and I guess uh, an another question I have is, um, like I said, coming from other games, uh, am I required to take certain units? Like I in so, Yeah, so the, the one thing that's really different is, um, and I'm not familiar with Agency at all, basically we have a locking system or an unlocking system. Basically, there's specific units uh, your basic units that unlock, I'm air quoting here, the ability to take other units. For example, if you take a regiment of, uh, let's say, infantry or cavalry, that unlocks the ability to take a hero or a war machine or a monster. Ah. One, if you take a horde, which is the equivalent of two regiments, it unlocks the ability to take one of each. In addition, there's a uh, unit size called troops. There's a when you take a regiment, you now unlock two troops. So you can take two smaller, screeny, chaffy units and a hero or a war machine or a monster. And if you have a horde, you can take four troops now. And it doesn't matter what troops in the, in the list, any troops. Four troops, you can take a hero, you can take a war machine, and you can take a monster. Um, and then that's really it. I mean, and the tool is easyarmy.com. You go on there. It'll, it will make you build a legal army. Okay. And like I think I may have mentioned, heroes, war machines, heroes, war engines, and monsters, you can only take three of, of that of one of those types. So for example, if you have a cannon or an organ gun, you can take three maximum regardless of how many points you spend in that okay. army. So and it goes down. If you if it was a small points game, it might only be, you may only be allowed to have one. It just depends. Alright, so it incentivizes like diversity within list building while also keeping things kind of coherent for balance. Right. Alright. Right. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it, um, I, I know, like, in uh, other games, like, you're supposed to take three, like, battle lines, and then you get a hero. Or, right. So that, that's I mean, cool. it's not unlike old Warhammer Fantasy where we had core. You took core, and then you could have... And in that one was a percentage where you had to have so much percentage spent on core, yeah. special, rare, you know what I mean, and lords. And it's sort of the same sort of thing. You take the basic stuff, and that lets you take the, the better stuff. And typically what that means is the really more elite stuff, you have less of it, which makes sense because you shouldn't yeah. have, you know, there's exceptions, but mostly you're going to have the basic troops. Oh, yeah. Well, it makes sense from a you know lore perspective as well. It does make sense that a, just a giant army of tree herders is going to go well. You, you could. And oh. that, that is an exception. Yeah, you. I mean, I believe the tree the tree herders are heroes, so that that those are limited to three. But like the sh- the, the tree men, like what you might call um, treekin, maybe is that what they call them, or the Sylvanath? They're large yeah, infantry Sylvanath, guys. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like in our game, you I think that's just a basic troop, and you could just take as many as you want. Oh wow. Those are those don't have to be unlocked. Those are the basic reg. So basically, regiments no and hordes. Yeah, regiments <laughs> and hordes. You pretty much can just take. Oh And, wow. and, and I will yeah. say there's there's some there's some exceptions to that because like um, right now in the goblin list, if you take a regiment of shooting uh, goblins. Mm-hmm. They're, they're called what's called irregular, which means they do not unlock. They want to disincentivize taking all shooting. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, in a fantasy sitting... That's all right. You're fine. <laughs> in a fantasy sitting, uh, I, I feel like having an all-shooting army makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't. Uh, <laughs> and, and there are cases where it does work really well on the table, um, but most of the time, it's... well. We use the term skew list. It could be all shooting. It could be all flying. There's, you know, where all your eggs are in one basket. Um, those are rock, paper, scissors scenarios. Some matchups, you smash them to death. Other matchups, you get destroyed. And so I'm a, I'm a proponent of building a balanced list, an all-comers list, and you just, you know, it mitigates some of the matchups. Oh, yeah. And that, that's, like, how I think about building lists. I'd... I mean, granted, every once in a while, like in other games, like I love the idea of just big monsters just going ham on all different kinds of armies, but I also understand that that doesn't make much sense, and that would be easy to take down even in a real-world situation. In general, there's the players that kind of care more about the performance on the table, and then there's me. I don't care how the unit's going to look on the... I mean, how it's going to perform. I care how it's going to look. And so I'll take, in terms of unit selection, I'll take what I want. Even if I know it's not going to be effective, it's going to look cool. Oh, yeah. It's going to look amazing. It's going to be awesome. I have a halfling army I'm working on. Oh, that's cool. And if they're <laughs> going to be badass, I might get, I might lose all my games. But they're going to look pretty when they're dying. So <laughs> that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we each find our own enjoyment out of the hobby. And, you know, whether that's the social experience of coming to tournaments or events like this or hanging out locally at the store or the hobby piece of it where you're painting and you're coming up with background story and all that. Or it could just be you enjoy gaming. There's people here. No, there's no shame in buying a painted army and coming and play. If you really just like to game, come and play with us. That's fine. Well, there's room for everybody in the hobby in our Kings of War community. Uh, that, that's my thing. Like that's why I like the like war games more than like card games and whatnot. Absolutely. Because it it appeals to so many different groups of people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean that. Ultimately, I think that's the best thing about. So, it. what army? Uh, you mentioned a few. Is there any standouts that you? I mean, you mentioned Billy's dwarves. Uh, I love what else dwarves. was jumping out at you? <laughs> uh, so, 
the one forces of nature army that was all dinosaurs. Yeah, Dylan Murray, yeah. That, and I, I think I mentioned it, it started off as a salamander army, which is a lizard man army yeah. from Warhammer? Whatever they are. Whatever they are now, yeah. Seraphon, I think, yeah. right? Let me ask you this question. Why do you like forces of nature? Like, one of the big things, like I said, was in the Lord of the Rings movie, that moment when Treebeard and the rest of them are, like, storming Isengard. That moment was just, like, the coolest moment ever because it's so cool. And I also just... Elemental forces have always been, like, one of the coolest fantasy tropes to me. So when I saw tree herders and golems and fire elementals and all these things, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's all one army. Water elementals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like... Sky elementals, air elementals, air those two. elementals, like, the idea of, like... An army that's just like you know all these terrifying forces of nature coming at someone, and it's just such a cool thematic idea. And I was like, also really excited about uh, really excited about the idea of modeling that. What's your vision for it? I mean, you kind of just alluded to it. You're gonna try to replicate that thing you see when you close your eyes about Lord of the Rings oh, yeah. in your head on the table, or what? Sort of. Uh, I. So the one thing I like is that you don't have to, like, so long as the army piece is clearly defined, you can kind of make it however you want. And I, like, there's certain fantasy armies that are like, oh, well, you know, tree people usually ally with, I don't know, elves or something like that. But I love the idea that, no, I just want all tree people and earth elementals. And that and I can make that. And if I, you want to, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I love that. I love that vision of, like, giant tree people just going yeah. at it. I want to make this moving forest, I think. Yeah. So if I have stealthy and someone shoots a breath attack at me, does stealthy work? Breath attacks are affected by cover and stealthy, but it's a maximum of minus one. Thanks, friend. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. All good. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about this game. Josh has been playing, it's like his, I don't know, sixth game or something. He's having a hell of a time playing. Uh, somebody in our club couldn't come, so he's playing that person's list. He's playing that person's army, and he's, you know, he's having a great time. Oh, yeah. Me and him actually talked a little earlier. He seems really like a really cool guy. Seems like he's really into the gaming side of it. And it's always it's always cool to see how those players kind of think because they're like, you know, I'm thinking over here, oh, my trees are going to look really cool. And then he's thinking, man, if I take this unit with this unit with this unit, I'm going to make this combo that makes right. street It's harder combos. in this game to build, like, the, the deadly combos. But, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. there are people that do care more about the efficiency of a unit from a points perspective. But oh, yeah. uh, there's room for everybody in this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, like I said, that's my thing. I'm, a, I'm definitely a more of a hobbyist, but I love that I can be that in this game. So if you build this tree army, what models are you going to use? Man, uh, my number one model, the one that just stands out so much to me, is there's a Reaper Bones model called Mossbeard that's coming out soon, and it's ginormous and yeah. powerful looking, and that vision of what a tree person should look like. And what does that look like? I'm trying to think. What is it like the traditional Tolkien look where they're long, tall, and skinny like an Ent? Oh, or is no. it more like a big, giant... Like a bulky, like, okay. you know, strong-looking, like, I'm not going down anytime soon kind right. of guy. I'm a big fan of, like, zombies and stuff, too, like undead stuff in games. Uh, and so there's this model from a game, I want to say it's, like, Sangro- or Sangarosa or something like that. I can't think of what it is. Sar- Sargosa, I think. Okay. And it's like this vine elemental, but it's like if you look really closely, he's got like skeletons and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and he's got carrying this big honking axe. And right. And I'm just, oh man, that's perfect to me. Right. And I kind of want to 
you know, take these models and, yeah, you know, use the base stuff, but also, like, start for Mothbeard. I have this idea of just skulls hanging down, and I think that's based on, like, a little bit of the lore that I read about the forces of nature that, you know, and most of the time they're considered, like, happy-go-lucky. Oh, well, I mean, they're neutral, and so sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. So if, if good's winning, they're going to be bad. And if bad's winning... They're going to be good. They're they like, want to keep things in balance. I yeah, guess they're the, 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 the great equalizer. Absolutely. And I, I loved that lore so much. The idea that the I think her name's the Green Lady. The Green Lady, yes. Who is actually available in the is also she's a character in the Elf Army. I, I love that. It, like that's another thing that's super cool. Just all the different armies kind of mix in. Like you can play Ice Elementals in one army, but they're also part of the Northern Alliance. And Fire yeah. Elementals are with Salamanders. And exactly. I mean, Force of Nature is an interesting army because it's. It's almost like a little bit of everything. You just throw it in the pot. You can do whatever. If it's nature-related, it's in there. That, that's what I want to do. I want to take these, you know, tree people. And, yeah, they look like tree people. But I want to make them, like, you know, look like they've actually been through wars. Like, they're there to not just, you know, be good and friendly, but also, like, these agents of justice and, like, have, like, I don't know, skulls, like, hanging off of some of them. And, you know, make them look almost a little gruesome. Right. Because... That, that idea of we're not necessarily the good guys in this world is really unique to me when it right. comes to them. Right. I'm excited to get you a game so you can see the rules. Oh, yeah. Like I said, there's a certain simplicity to it, but there's also a depth to it. Right. Because, yeah, I might know how to move, but... You will in, like, two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll know how to move in two seconds, but that's half the game. you got to realize how important, like moving this way or that way or flanking is. Exactly. It's, it's certainly cool. a deployment and movement is very important in Kings of War. Yes, sir. I'm excited. I really am. I think it's going to be a cool experience. And Absolutely. Excited to get to get into the game. Well, thanks for coming on, Duncan. Yes, sir. All right, this is Rob. We're back. We have finished day one, <laughs> but I want to reintroduce uh, Duncan cool. Walden. Yes, sir who is a player that was already on Fanatics asking questions about the game. I can give you a really quick demo. Yeah, I was really surprised. It's very, like, it's straightforward, and there's a lot of what I like to call, like, idiot-proofing, which is great for me because I, I mess things up right. constantly. But it was really, like, intuitive. It felt really, really just, you know, if it makes sense, it makes sense, kind of. Right. And I, I liked how quick it was in the fact that, you know, we had fairly small amount of bases on the field but that was a thousand points yeah it was five units maybe and, and there, there wasn't equal i just grabbed stuff to kind of show you flying shooting uh combat cavalry <laughs> chariots we just so it was basilane and ogres we wanted to show you force of nature but D dylan wasn't done losing yet so we didn't have the availability of his army <laughs> oh, but yeah. uh basilane was another army you had mentioned is interesting so oh yeah they i loved the angels they just felt like Super strong, ridiculously powerful. OP? Is that the word we call? I think that's the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Overpowered. Yeah, so the, the issue right now, there's a formation. We're joking, but there's a formation that, like, the whole point I told you before about formations was take units that nobody takes. They made a formation with two angel units, which oh lord, everybody already takes the angel units. You didn't have to do that, and you made them even better because that gives them... Vicious. Vicious, which is stupid, which is the why that they're, that's why he's got two hordes of Aloha. Because hitting like a freight train doesn't mean anything, right? No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then, what, self-inspiring, Iron Resolve to self-heal yourself. It's like, yeah, that's great, that's yeah. cool. But and they're beautiful angel people. <laughs> did it live up to your expectations? It, it did. It actually exceeded it in a lot of ways because I, 
you know, I've played a lot of minis games and a lot of different stuff, and it was just, I like when games are just stuff just makes sense, you right. know? Well, and I told you this, and you were like, oh, that's cool. It's a, I call it a common sense game. If it, common sense says this should be how it should work, 99% of the time, that's how it works. If I can see you and I can fit where I need to be and I have the movement to get there, I can charge you. Um, the really, it's a big thing about no, we don't want negative play experience. It's not about like, oh, I'm going to make it so you can't do this. And, I mean, that was the thing. I had, I mean, I loved getting to play. I loved, you know, the opportunity to just be able to have a lot of fun and learn the game really quickly. And well, and you were like an idiot savant or something because, like, he's like, I said, well, that means you're hindered. And you're like, well, that means I probably it's probably not a right. You know, charging into the woods is probably, from a tactical standpoint, that's probably not the right decision. <laughs> and you like, knew right away that common sense says, yes, if you, if you unless you go with overwhelming force, charging into the woods is probably not the right move. Unless you play Forces of Nature and you have Pathfinder. Yeah. And then you don't care. Forces of Nature don't care about anything. By the way, you do know there's a herd army, which is all beastmen and lichen, and those guys are badass. That sounds yeah. cool. I actually, yeah. I gotta check it out. Like that's the biggest thing. There's so much to like learn and figure out, and I'm excited about the learning curve involved with the game. Oh yeah. Absolutely. What advice do you guys have for a new player that's um, fresh to the game? I mean, you guys have been playing for a while. Dylan, I'll start with you. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things I would do is just. Uh, Try to get a lot of practice games in. <laughs> if you want to put the time in and travel to tournaments, put in practice on the table, but also put in practice on the hobby part because even non-hobby tournaments still have a weight in hobby score. For best overall. Right, for best overall. If you put just as much time into both sides of the game, you honestly will 100% have a better time at a tournament. Oh, yeah. So I, I know... Uh that me and Rob over here, we like talked a little bit earlier about like just the construction of your army, just being able to how like what models I was going to use and all that, and that that's been something that's been taking up just a lot of like mental time as well. Well, I see you bought some Rune War models on Clearance, oh, yeah. eight dollars for a box of giant golem dudes. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good deal. Andrew and Atkins bought like eight boxes. Right. Of them. Well, he's oh, not wow. going to paint them though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, primers uh, not paint, right? That's right. So, go over to you. What uh, <laughs> what tips do you have for a new player looking to get or getting into Kings of War? Uh, I don't really have too many, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Just, come yeah. on. <laughs> well, we covered a lot of it. It was pretty good. Uh, I guess just don't be afraid of the top dogs just seeing like I'm not really that great I'm not really good at this game and I just played on top table for round four yeah oh, nice like you were 3-0 going into round four yeah you and let's just, just cut let's cut to the chase you smashed up Shannon Schumacher uh, Shannon you're <laughs> a down sucker <laughs> taking down the man yeah Shannon's gone <laughs> he's off he's you taking him out of contention at this point yeah and another good thing about this hobby that I've started to really enjoy is uh, just stretching that hobby dollar Oh, yeah. Just being able to buy 40 skeletons and I can make eight units. <laughs> right. We use the rule of cool. If it looks cool, you do it. If it looks like I'm being a cheap ass and I've got like one model on a big base and you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's a, I mean, if it looks cool, then it's cool. So a good example would be uh, one of my hordes of Talon Riders. Uh, I'm using that Forest Dragon 
on the base. So I have a tree on, on one side of the base. Yeah. It's got a couple uh, pterodactyl models in there with some riders. And then I have a dragon that takes up the other half of the base. So, uh, so it, it technically doesn't have the, the max amount of models, but the base is full. The dragon takes up about almost three-quarters of the base. And it looks like... It can't be confused for what it is. It's, it, there's a base size, and it yeah. looks like what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's flying flying things with, it's got wings. with people that shoot bows. Like that. So, it, I mean, what? so it, it's not really what you see. I mean, the, the game itself. It's not WYSIWYG, but it's not confusing. Right, yeah. exactly. If exactly. it makes sense, it makes sense. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I love that model. Like I said, the... Uh, I actually got that dragon today because I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, so yeah. cool. It's awesome. <laughs> and that, that was like one of the coolest things today for me, just seeing all the different armies Absolutely. and how creative people could be with. What's that. the next step for you, Duncan? Uh, I'm gonna buy a just ton of tree people and golems and go absolutely nuts on Force and Nature, and uh, of course bases. <laughs> yeah, bases. Yeah, bases. Dude, that that uh, forest shambler list. Ooh. Is legitimate. Oh man, I'm excited. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You run, you run five or six of those bad boys. Yeah, did we have someone do that last year at TNT? They, they look pretty rude. Yeah, so. yeah. Rude's a good word for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, especially when you get to Vanguard. That's another fun. Oh, fun. Yeah. Saw that too. Really excited to try that out since I'm like I come from more of a skirmish game background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we do play Dead Zone. Um, yeah, on. we're gonna be we're gonna be playing some Dead Zone tonight. I um, I can't say much about it. I've played one game. Well, I, I don't know the rules very well either. So really, we're relying on Devlin and Goad and Dan. Billy. Bowen? Billy. Yeah. Billy. Bowen. Yeah, Bowen. Yeah, they all play. You still play with Billy because he freaking shows you the game and he pounds you in the ground. Yeah. It's like, that's <laughs> yeah. not how you let a Wookiee win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've already painted up a force. Don't even know how to play. And you never even played a game once. Oh, no, you've played a game, right? You've yeah, I just played one, one game, but... Uh, well, it was, it's a small it was enough for me. Yeah. I, you know, bought some models, got some models, painted them up. Gonna gonna bust them out tonight. Get my money's worth, you know. Exactly. <laughs> well, what questions do you have for two guys that have been playing for a long time? Um, um, and it's possible we've answered them all, but there may be something. Yeah, um, I mean, most of them have definitely been answered. Everyone has been so super helpful here, and that's just something that's really refreshing. Uh, I guess, I guess, gameplay wise. Since you're, since you know, I have a force of nature player at the table. Uh, what do you? Well, see? that's a relative term. Have you seen, if you've seen the way he's been playing? This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I really a player at all? <laughs> he's just standing there holding the yeah. seat. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should be sports on my team right now. But what are you? Paint. Oh my god. And no one else from Arkansas can paint. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> at least you can yell at your teammates for slacking off. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But you had a question but, for the uh, Force uh, of Nature yeah, player. So what are some key aspects of the Force of Nature or Forces of Nature that make them so, like, unique? Like Solely unique. Um, but there's only a couple armies in the game that can put as much heal on the board as Forces of Nature can. Um, and that was the word heal. Heal. In Arkansas. <laughs> heal. Heel. I actually thought he meant heel. 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 Yeah. heel. You could put heel 15 to 20 on the <laughs> board uh, on, in awesome. a competitive list. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's just, oh, it's it's so rough. You're not going to get any good game votes that doing that. If you're That's playing good. for sports, 
don't put Hill 20 on the board. That, that's fair. But, yeah, it's a solid army. But if you're playing to win. Absolutely. Hey, hey, nothing nothing hey. says great like seeing Treebeard get back up and start beating people up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and another thing that they can do kind of – Kind of uniquely, so they they're they're kind of a coalition of three different armies. Um, so they can you can actually change your uh, how you want to play the list based on the units you based on the units you, you choose. Um, so it, as you as you flip through the book, if you get to look at that, you'll actually notice you know these units are from this army. They have uh, Trident Realms, Salamanders, uh, Herd. Uh, they're kind of a, a mix of all of those, um, so it's it's a really fun army. I think you're gonna have fun with it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, what are some bad matchups for Forces of Nature? Um, Abyssal Dwarves and Elves. And did you just play Abyssal Both Dwarves? Both of which I have played today. I, I saw a lot of Dwarves and a lot of Elves. So Abyssal Dwarves are rough because they usually put a lot of high defense on the board, Ooh. and you you have key can opener, key you know armor penetration in Forces of Nature. But it's hard to break because their high defense is usually defense six. Ooh. So if you don't break through it fast, then they'll kind of whittle away. They, their war machines, their mutated mastiffs, they all do a lot of damage. So if, if you get hit, like in my last game, I had a fully healed horde of infantry um, rocking 23, 25 nerve, and my opponent got just a whole load of burst damage on them and took them off in one turn so you can't heal something that's dead so that's fair <laughs> so that's a rough matchup and forces of nature are typically lower on the defensive side unless unless you are putting out all the elementals and the and the and the tree men and stuff well that's that's my if way you're if it. you're playing if you're playing my type of list then elves are really rough because they have that they have that four plus shooting Rerolling ones, so mm, yeah. so yeah. Those, those are probably those are probably the two big ones for Forces of Nature. What are some MVP units? I guess like what are the things that you always want to take or just uh, for me, worm riders. worm riders. Yeah, Nyad Worm Riders. Um, I'm so I'm rocking two hordes right now. It's a lot of points, but I have. I have nimble on one, and then I have brew of strength on the other. So one of them, one of them is really good at getting around my opponents, and then threat start, and then threatening flanks, getting into the backfield. And then the other one, I just put into things. It's got extra crushing, and I have bane chance support in the army. So I just put into things. They hit on threes, and they wound most things on twos. So uh, they just, they just, they just go in. They just go in and get in those jammies. That's all they do. <laughs> I'm disappointed you didn't say Talon Riders first. Talon yeah, yeah. I do like the Talon Riders, but you and everybody else. <laughs> and I, I, I was gonna say I like like something I've kind of seen with Forces of Nature. At least some of the research I've done is that they, they're really diverse as far as like you can play them so many different ways because they are that you know coalition of so many armies. Absolutely, you can do a um, full anvil style list where you're just blocking off the objectives and your opponent can't get to the objectives. You can do fast flanking with uh, Worm Riders, Beast of Nature. You can do hill spam. So, you, like I said, you can put that hill 20 out there. If you actually combine higher defense with that hill, that's when that really, that's when that play style really, really comes 
all the way through for you. So, yeah, that's a good army. Oh, yeah. I had one more question while I was thinking about it. I've heard the bad matchups. I've heard some of the strengths, and I've heard some of the, the better um, like the better units. Uh, what is, I guess, like I've kind of talked to you about like the army I want to run, the monsters and the tree herders, and like how, how do you think I would want to go about doing something like that? You have So you have a, a few different options. Uh, Forces of Nature also has a Hydra, which is kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of a, it's it's kind of a fun unit. A lot of people don't a lot of people don't use it because it's it's not as good uh, as the other options. But you can you can do a you can do a lot of things with the monster mash. They have greater elementals. You're running your forest shamblers. Uh, you can come in with greater earth elementals and add defense six into your defense five with your heal. They're also good at raising their nerve. You know they have access to a spell that gives. Uh, that gives rally one, so it's plus one nerve to everything within six inches of that cast. Um, Doesn't that cap then, out at rally two? Well? Do what? Doesn't it crap, cap out at rally two? Can't you get it up to two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It caps out. Yeah, it caps yeah. out at two. So rally two. So you know, if you got if you got a uh, fearless nineteen elementals, that's, you know that's pretty good. Uh, and then the the beast of nature. Um, check out the beast of nature for sure. You put fly on them and you upgrade them to seven attacks with vicious. Even without lightning bolt, they're really scary because you can get in the backfield really quick with those guys, and and they do a lot of damage. They do a lot of damage in the in the sides and in the rears. Ooh. Okay. Um. So switching, I guess, gears for a second. Uh, I was really admiring your army. I liked the you know, the dinosaurs everywhere, and it. Yeah. I mean, so I, I want to ask that. What was the inspiration? Were you just like Jurassic Park, <laughs> or? Uh. So. I started out in salamanders, and so that's that's where that's where the list came. That's where that army came from. Most of those units used to be in my salamander army. Okay. Uh, I've since repainted a lot of it and rebased it and everything like that. Um, but yeah, so the the worm rot, some of the worm riders used to be my fire drakes, uh, things like that. So I, it's the funny thing you mentioned the Jurassic Park thing because when it, uh, last year at TNT, my, I had my display board set up, and uh, I was jamming the Jurassic Park theme uh, for people to walk by and look up the army and everything. Uh, That's awesome. That was just that was just funny. But yeah, I'm a I'm a lizard man player at heart. I uh, I picked all the units in the army that I thought I could theme realistically as uh, lizard men or dinosaurs, and it not be confusing to my opponent. So that's why I have the list that I have. Well, man, I, I love it. It looks, like, super cool. And like I said, I got this dragon model today because, like, your tree dragon just was like, oh, my gosh, that's so clever. Yeah, that model was really fun to mess with. It was a nightmare to put together and uh, and paint. But once it was done, it, it's a really, it, was, it, was, it turned out really nice. Man, for sure. I, I mean, like I said, that was one of the most, like, standout armies to me today. And I, I mean, there's just so many cool armies around here. I was actually going to ask, where'd you get the uh, the two dinosaurs, like the T-Rex-looking dinosaurs? Those are GW troglodons. Oh wow! It's the the Carnosaur troglodon kit. Yeah, um, and I've kind of swapped them up. One one's a Carnosaur body with a with a troglodon head. You know, a lot of times at tournaments you'll get uh, you'll get. You know, a couple points on your paint rubric for for head swaps, you know, weapon swaps, things like that. So I kind of played around with the kit a little bit, 
and I think they look I think they look pretty good oh. uh, for my standard anyway. Yeah, I'm not. Like <laughs> I am far from a great painter, but um, I really like how the army turned out. Oh yeah, dude. I like I said, I thought they were amazing. And actually, uh, I was gonna ask you about your army, man. Yeah, I got undead, which is just mostly all Mantic. I don't think I have anything that's not Mantic in that army right now. Uh, also collected it from like years of playing at TNT. Todd used to sell stuff, and I would constantly throw money at him. Also, speaking of dinosaurs, D and D sells some. There's actually one down there. Just to let you know. Oh yeah, uh, Triceratops. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have that model in my army too. I oh, mean, they, they make <laughs> man those new those D and D minis are just so pretty, and at five to ten bucks a piece, they're really really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's another great thing about. I know, I know Rob's probably already mentioned it. But you do have you do have creative flexibility in oh, yeah. different model ranges that you can pick from. Um, you know, you always want to incorporate you know Mantic in there just to, just to support the game. Of course. Um, but you do have that you know creative flexibility there that you can you can mess with. Oh, yeah, I, I know. Like for me, those tree shambler models that they have are just super cool. So, so can... I've I've painted some of those. They paint up really nice. Ooh, they're they are great models. Yeah. They, I yeah. mean, I saw them and I'm like, okay, I, I don't care about anything else. That's my tree shambler. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah those are great models Give for sure. Give us some time. Uh, Mantic's coming out with a lot of great stuff lately. Uh, yeah, they've really improved their sculpts yeah. a, oh, yeah. a long way. Yeah. I've been noticing like that. The uh, I saw the special edition of the third edition book that comes with like, that little statue. And yeah, I was a diorama. Yeah. Oh man, I thought that was super cool. I was like, "This is so neat." Yeah. It's like I don't need to buy this, but at the same time, what? Yeah, it'll be a good display piece to add to your display board or anything like that you wanted to do. Oh, for sure. I'm actually. Uh, it's kind of funny, like we're talking about the like Nolzer minis and stuff. I'm actually for one of my nature's beast characters that, like I said, I've been thinking about how I want to do those. And the way I was going to do it is I was going to take an owlbear, cut off the head, give it, like, some tree flocking to create a mane, and then put, like, a deer skull for the head on top with, like, some skulls hanging in the flocking, give it, like, a real creepy spirit of nature vibe to it. I think it could be, I mean, really cool. Dude, that sounds like a winner to me. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. That's, that, is, that is the great thing about that. It, that is the key thing about Kings of War right there. You can't I not trying to put my foot in my mouth, but I don't think you can do that in any other system. Um uh, not not that I know of. I know I'm like uh, I know I mean you you can con, you can convert. Uh, you can convert in other systems. Yeah, but, but you still like need that one you can mark. go you can like the sky's the limit in Kings of War. Oh yeah. Like and it, it's so and so a, a lot of other systems lock you down to they you at least half of the model has to be, you know, from that manufacturer. Yeah. All that's out the door in Kings of War. Oh, yeah. You can, if, you know, if you need to cut it, if you need to cut it in half to to do your conversion, you can cut that sucker in half and do your conversion. Oh, yeah, man. I, uh, I saw one really cool conversion today. I, I can't think of whose army it was, but it looked like a Chaos Gargant top body over a, like, mammoth like torso to kind of give it like a giant centaur look and I thought that was I haven't seen that either but that sounds awesome oh yeah. it was super clever looking I'm about to find that model tomorrow oh it's pretty it's pretty baller man and I was uh, like that's the other thing like that's really the biggest thing that attracted me to the game in the first place was the idea that 
I'm not locked into a certain model range. You know, if I want to take some Reaper Bones, take some GW, take some, you know, D&D minis, if I want to just smash them together in an army, that's my army. And uh, that, that was the biggest thing because I actually, like, I haven't, I've talked to Rob, but I haven't gotten to talk to you guys. I actually was, like, a commission painter for other games before I kind of started getting interested in Kings of War. That's awesome. Yeah, and the creativity aspect of the game was such a big deal to me and just like all the freedom you're allowed within the game is really exciting yeah yeah I've enjoyed it lately I've started my first multi-basing army which is my undead right now (laughs) and it's I just love it now I I don't know like if I'll ever go to any other game system (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely so I've been in you know Age of Sigmar I've been in Warhammer 40k um, How dare you? It, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. But the game is in such a great place right now. And it, and we're going into another edition. There's a team that playtests the rules. And then there's a, there is a, an additional team that also playtests and creates the rules. So it's, it's and, and all of those correspond with Mantic. Huh. So it is... N- like so hard for them to mess it up and that's that's one of the that's one of the key things about this game is like you don't have to worry about FAQs every 30 days oh lord yeah that's all gone <laughs> there you don't have to try to remember you're playing an army you've never played before you don't have to try to find page 65 in the their army book and then compare that to the ruling in page 35 of this rule book to figure out what actually you know there's none of that there's none of that this game is so awesome it's uh, i love it i love it man and that that was that was something else that me and rob kind of talked about i like i said i've been researching the game for about a month now and uh i noticed like i felt always felt like the big way you can tell if if a game is good is tournament reports check what's topping at tournaments if there's only one or two armies topping the game's not healthy but the thing I kept noticing about uh, Kings of War is just there were so many different armies. It's like, oh, Abyssal Dwarves, Elves, Forces of Nature, uh, all these, you know, every army seemed to have a chance to shine. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. That doesn't happen often. And then, you know, I kept noticing, like, people were just, oh, yeah, there's a million ways to play this army. There's, I'm going to do this with this army. And even today, like, walking through the tables... Uh, you know, I got explanations with a lot of the armies, and they're like, oh, he's playing the elite heavy version of Undead, or he's playing the Swarm version. And even then, I'm like, wow, and these are all viable strategies? Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's super cool. Yeah, it's because it's not a list builder game. A lot of armies do better in the list building stage. Some, Well, not a lot. Some of the armies do better in the list building stage. Um, but for the most part, uh, games are, are won and lost on the table. That's another thing that sets this game above a lot of other systems for me. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's I, very rock, paper, scissor. Like, it's very hard to find an army that's just constantly destroying yeah. people. Uh, and when that happens, the uh, developers do pay attention and they yeah. do listen. Absolutely. They do, they do seem very, like, active with their FAQs. If they notice that an army is, you know, just dominating, it seems like everything I've seen shows that we're getting it out of there as quickly as possible and yeah. fixing it. The other thing I kind of uh, I kind of thought is neat about it is just like 
like what you were saying that it's won and lost on the table one of the biggest like problems I have with certain other games is I feel like there's certain times where I you know could be playing an army but I'm not the one actually winning it's just it's the codex the battle tome the army's abilities not my actual skill as a player and a lot of like the one thing I keep hearing amongst a lot of the players in Kings of War is the players seem to have a large determining factor in the game but I thought that was really cool at least from my perspective absolutely and there is a um, there's a mentality in the Kings of War community um, not just here there's the entire across the entire country and even in in UK and some of these other places that play this game if you create an intention, they're going to help you resolve that intention. Nine times out of ten, someone's not going to let you accidentally move your model too far if you say, I'm going to try to keep my guy out of your charge range, for example. Yeah. You're, they're not going to go on their turn and be like, oh, you you moved him a half an inch too far, so I'm going to charge now. You intended to be uh, out of their charge range, so most of the time people stick out their tape measure and be like, well, this is my charge range, so just keep them out, you know? Yeah. Just as an example, there's so much you get with Kings of War that you don't get in any other game system. I'm glad to see a player coming into it, another player, and uh, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. I think so, too. And, I mean, everything I've seen so far, the community just seems like a bunch of really great guys getting together, wanting to just have fun, play a game, and not making about you know the cutthroat nature that some some competitive games can get like i i know me coming from a background ranging from warhammer to magic to everything in between communities make or break a game yeah and i've seen games rise and fall in my local communities based solely on the toxicity of other players and so to be coming into a community that is so welcoming and so like oh this is how I do this this is how you play this this is you know all this that's huge that makes me have that kind of positive experience that makes me want to play more yeah oh yeah oh yeah it's a great game man I would be willing to bet that you might you might not have a single bad game out of maybe one out of 25 games yeah like and that and I may be I may be undershooting it, you know what you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like for real, like it's it's such a great game and the community is awesome. For sure, man. And uh, something that I just want to comment on the community about today, like as a hobbyist, I've gotten so much advice today. I feel like I've got so much like information, like how people built their dioramas, how they painted their figures, how they customized everything, and that was. It's like, oh, I've got all these new little tricks I can try on my own stuff. And that was mm-hmm. that was worth the price of admission to the con by itself, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, I think you guys have answered all my questions. And it's just been a great experience. And I'm looking forward to getting to play some more. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod 
and is licensed under Creative Commons.